0: We said on last week's show we were going to take a look at uh, what happened on Mount Everest back in 1996 in regard uh, to the talk, the fabulous talk, inspiring talk here at the Mondavi Center last week by Dr. Beck Weathers. But we're going to put that off a week or two because uh, we're just short on time today. We promised the top of this show we'd take a look at what's going on in over Iraq, and it's time to do that. And we'd like to cite, first of all, the January 1st, 2005 Economist. The Economist magazine, in case you haven't noticed, is not exactly left-wing, but they do give you more data uh, than you will find in our news weeklies uh, in America, so we, we recommend that you do read it uh, when you can. And I'd like to quote the following from that article. There's only one traffic law in Ramadi these days. When Americans approach, Iraqis scatter. Horns blaring, brakes screaming, the midday traffic skids to the side of the road as a line of Humvee jeeps ferrying American Marines rolls the wrong way up the main street. Except one beat up taxi, its elderly driver flapping his outstretched hands seems amazingly to be trying to turn the convoy back. Gun turrets swivel and lock onto him as a hefty Marine sergeant leaps into the road, levels an assault rifle at his turban head and screams back this bitch up. In Ramadi, where 17 suicide bombers struck American forces during Ramadan, the Marines are jumpy. Sometimes they say they fire on vehicles encroaching within 30 meters, sometimes 20 meters. If anyone gets too close to us, we waste them, said a bullish lieutenant. It's kind of a shame because it means we've killed a lot of innocent people. Not all of them were in cars. Since discovering that bombs known as improvised explosion devices can be triggered by mobile telephones, Marines say they shoot any Iraqi they see handling a phone near a bomb blast. Bystanders to an insurgent ambush are also liable to be killed. Sometimes, the Marines say, they hide near the body of a dead insurgent and kill whoever comes to collect it. According to the Marine Lieutenant, it gets to the point where you can't wait to see guys with guns, so you start shooting everybody. It gets to a point... Where you don't mind the bad stuff you do. The St. Radio Pacifica talking, this is The Economist. They go on in the article to note that sometimes this works in the insurgents' favor, a chief warrant officer said, because by the time we've shot up the neighborhood, then the guys have torn up a few houses, there are four blocks away, and we just end up angering the locals. Skipping ahead in the article, armies can be good at war fighting or good at peacekeeping, but rarely good at both. And when America's well-drilled and well-fed fighters attempt subtler tasks than killing people, problems arise. At peacekeeping, peace enforcing, or policing, call it what you will, they are often inept. Even the best of them seem ignorant of the people whose land they are occupying article says that American Marines and G.I.s frequently display contempt for Iraqis, civilian or official. Thus, the 18-year-old Texan soldier in Mosul, who confronted by jeering schoolchildren, shot canisters of buckshot at them from his grenade launcher. It's not good, dude. Could be fatal. But you gotta do it, he explained. Or the Marines in Ramadi, who on a search for insurgents, kicked in the doors of houses at random in order to scream, in English, at trembling middle-aged women within, Where's your black mask? Where's the guns? In one of these houses was a small plastic Christmas tree decorated with silver tinsel. That tells us the people here are okay, said Corporal Robert Joyce. I think you're getting the picture here, dear listener. This, I think, might explain why, uh, as explains in this article, in mid-2003, Donald Rumsfeld said that there were a few dead-enders causing trouble in Iraq and that their official number was 5,000, but the official figure now in Iraq is 20,000, perhaps 2,000 of them foreigners. And two months ago, there was an article uh, that was circulated on the web by Neil McKay about a report from the Defense Science Board, which went to Donald Rumsfeld and others in the Pentagon, noting that um, things are not at all going well. It said that uh, our actions in Iraq, quote, rather than supporting tyranny, and most Muslims want to overthrow tyrannical regimes like Saudi Arabia, the U.S. finds itself in the strategically awkward and potentially dangerous situation of being the long-standing prop and alliance partner of authoritarian regimes. Without the U.S., these regimes could not survive, the report says. Further on, it notes that Americans are convinced that the U.S. is a benevolent superpower that elevates values and emphasizes freedom. Deep down, we assume that everyone should naturally support our policies, yet the world of Islam, by overwhelming majorities, sees things differently. Muslims see American policies as inimical to their values, American rhetoric about freedom and democracy as hypocritical, and American actions as deeply threatening. In France, host of uh, It's About You every Monday morning at 8.30 here in KDVS uh, sent me an article by Peter Phillips from Project Censored, which was talking about the fact that, you know, there was a huge outpouring of favorable publicity, uh, publicity seeking aid for tsunami victims in Southeast Asia, which uh, Dr. Phillips noted as being somewhat hypocritical, noting that the U.S. corporate media left uncovered in the past year the disaster that has befallen the Iraqi population, with over 100,000 civilians having been killed since the beginning of the U.S. invasion and hundreds of thousands more homeless and weakened. In October of 2004, the British medical journal Lancet published a scientific survey of households in Iraq that calculated that over 100,000 civilians, mostly women and children, had died from the war. If you saw this covered here in the U.S., you probably noted that it was being poo-pooed. Uh, the Pentagon published statements on civilian deaths in Iraq as being unknown while dismissing the Lancet Medical Journal study. I'm inclined to believe that that study is accurate, and I, um, if that doesn't move you, uh, I think that you should take note of an article that was in Mother Jones in October of 2004, titled Red Alert, about the Department of Homeland Security. The article notes that it's well known in Washington the Bush administration was not enthusiastic about forming a Homeland Security Department. The idea was first floated by Democrat senators, uh, Joe Lieberman and others. But once the department was up and running, well, there you had it. It was up. The population wanted it in the U.S. We wanted to feel more secure. Politically, it seemed to pan out. So we now have the first new cabinet agency since, I don't know, (laughs) in the past uh, generation, I guess since the Department of Energy. But the author went over to find the headquarters and discovered that you can barely find where the headquarters of the Department of Homeland Security is. The uh, DHS is apparently stuck at the uh, the Naval Complex, which is well off the uh, the center of power in Washington, D.C. Author Matthew Brzezinski noted that once you enter the uh, foyer, the reception area was no bigger than a cubicle, without even room for a chair. Uh, it's somewhat ironic that... Although America wants a Department of Homeland Security, apparently, to feel more secure, with all of this money going to Iraq, well, they don't have time to uh, adequately fund it. Noting in the article that the war in Iraq has so far cost $150 billion, other things are getting shortchanged. For example, the amount needed to equip all U.S. airports with machines that screen baggage for explosives, which would cost $3 billion, uh, is being used up in 10 days of war in Iraq. The Bush budget allocated uh, $400 million for baggage screening machines, which would, you know, could be paid for with 32 hours of Iraq war. Security upgrades at our U.S., uh, our 361 U.S. ports, $1 billion, you know, and many people feel that if we're going to be attacked, it'll be through a cargo uh, shipment. Four days of, a war- of Iraqi war could pay for that. 23 hours of Iraqi war could pay for the uh, the amount needed to buy radiation portals to screen U.S. ports to detect dirty bombs and cargo. $290 million price tag on that. And um, the amount needed to get local emergency medical crews ready for terrorist attack, $1.4 billion. You could pay for that with five days of war in Iraq. So while we've spent $150 billion in Iraq, the Department of Homeland Security got $27 billion, with the bulk of that going to routine operations of agencies such as the Customs Service. When it comes to new programs to make planes, trains, ports, and urban centers safer, there's not a lot left over. Since we're running out of time, I just don't have resources here today on the clock to, uh, to go into what's going on in Afghanistan. Except to note that... Afghanistan has now experienced the largest opium harvest in the country's history. Large cuts of which go to the warlords which rule Afghanistan and probably a lot of it is going to wind up in the hands of people like the Taliban and uh, Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan with which they can finance further attacks on the U.S. This is not what was supposed to have happened in Afghanistan. But since uh, massive amounts of resources were diverted out of the country and placed in Iraq instead... It's what has happened. We're running out of time. Let's close with a science note to shift gears rather radically. Last Friday, the Huygens space probe successfully landed on Saturn's moon Titan. If you get a clear night, by the way, and you go out and look to the east after sunset, the brightest orange thing you're going to see in the sky will be Saturn, which is making its closest approach to us right about now. The uh, Huygens probe startled scientists around the world by showing pictures of what looked to be lakes of hydrocarbons on the surface of Titan. This was long suspected from Earth-bound observations. But uh, the parachuting flying saucer managed to penetrate these smoggy clouds and take pictures all the way down and take pictures once it landed on the ground of what appears to be blocks of ice which have been washed away at the bottom by some sort of liquid, which is very definitely not water, because it's almost negative 300 degrees on the surface of Titan. It appears that these lakes are due to ethane and other simple organic compounds, which, to say the least, makes Titan a very, very bizarre place. The European Space Agency is processing more of the pictures, but the time we talk to you next week, we should have a lot more data on that, and we very much hope to be joined by Trina Ray of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. This is not a NASA event. This is the European Space Agency's baby, but we hope that Trina will uh, be able to give us an insightful update of what is some pretty amazing science. All right, this has been some heavy fare in this segment. Let's end with a lighter note. Let's return to that book, which I got a couple weeks back, the funny pages, because it's, I think it's just our kind of material. And I got three selections here, all of which Come from Jay Leno, or at least Jay Leno's high-priced team of Tonight Show writers. All right, Jay Leno. You know what I never understood was the VFW halls? Veterans of foreign wars? Is the foreign part really necessary? Is there still some Civil War vets trying to sneak in? Jay Leno. Do you know how to avoid overexposure to x-rays? Join an HMO. And finally... Adolf Hitler's nieces and nephews are suing for $20 million of royalties on Mein Kampf. I hope this unseemly squabbling doesn't tarnish the Hitler family name. Adding, but maybe his relatives should pay for the damage Uncle Adolf did on his little European book tour. All right, that's it. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax, and we'll see you next Thursday as we segue into Todd's show. Um, you know, Todd brings you a lot of eclectic choices, and I've got one that I just—you know—I'm not sure whether this is really just great music or really bad music, but I can't stop listening to it. I bought it for $9.99 on Special in Borders. So let's go out with the Immortal Tom Jones fusion with the Talking Heads.